0: Welcome to the first Enduro Method Podcast. I'm Joshua Rempel, here with Dane Tony, and we will be kind of interviewing each other for these first two, just so give an opportunity for you guys to get to know us. And then from there, who knows, looking forward to having some guests on, talking enduro, dirt bikes, training, all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah. So we're just here to share some knowledge and uh, experiences with everyone. Um, so today I'm gonna to be interviewing Josh to kind of find out who he is, um, so you guys get to know him um, and his background. So Josh, um, tell us about where you grew up.
0: Right, so I grew up uh, in a little town called Auberry in California. Auberry is kind of central north to south and east to west on the east side of the Sierras. So, I think it's like an hour and a half or two hours south Yosemite Valley. A lot of people know that for reference. Or Fresno um, was the closest big city. So where I grew up was in the foothills. Uh it was a great spot to grow up, honestly. I had a lot of fun. Um you know, grew up on like a five acre area, so it wasn't super crowded, got to do all the outdoor things. That's also where I I mean I lived there for Till I moved out for school, so like I think I was 18 or 19 when I when I left, and my parents actually still live in the house I grew up in. It hasn't burned down yet. Sorry, California. Um, but <laughs> so yeah, it was a great spot. Had a lot of fun. That's also where I got my first dirt bike back there. Um, 1976 XR75. Pretty awesome. Wish I still had it, but yeah just terrorizing the ground squirrels on the five acres basically
1: yeah so tell us how you got into dirt biking
0: that was it i was just i don't know what it is i've always loved things on two wheels regardless so if i couldn't dirt bike or didn't have one i was riding my pedal bike all over the place um we had a long dirt road so we we had two entrances but we literally lived in the middle so i think the dirt road was like a mile long we were half mile in one way and a half mile in the other and so yeah we would just and then had a nice tea there with another dirt road that went up and enough hills that they weren't crazy hard for little kids but hard enough to give you a challenge um so pedal backed all over the place when I finally did get a dirt bike, again I was trying to build, you know, tracks through the foothills. I don't want to call them woods; it felt like woods. We had a couple of creeks we'd go through. You know, thought there were like ravines. I go back now and I'm like, really? <laughs>
1: you it was like wastey. Yeah, uh,
0: but had a lot of fun. And then, you know, as we got a little older, some of my friends got dirt bikes, and so we every weekend we'd try and finish our chores or whatever and get out there and just go ride together just somewhere i didn't even i think i've been on one real track in my life and it was when i was
1: like a motocross track
0: yeah i mean i've been on a couple now but not not a lot um but back then like we didn't have you know we we dig a hole to build a jump (laughs) that didn't have a landing you know um and then the whole your dad will walk back there and be like, where's the hole? We're like, we we're, were building a jump. And he's like, well, fill it back in. And you're like, come on, you know, let's get a tractor. <laughs> um, so we had a lot of fun doing that. And yeah, just always loved it. And I grew pretty quickly later. So as I'm, I'm kind of...
1: So, so you were really small
0: yeah, I was pretty I was average. I wasn't super. You should small.
1: tell people how big you are now in case they not Yeah. Don't know.
0: So I'm 6'4, 225, 220. Um, yeah, still so on the larger side, pretty tall. But I was I was medium or average, I would say, through like probably sophomore junior year. Of
1: and high then, school.
0: I mean I was on the taller side, but I wasn't like super tall. Like I grew a lot after high school too. But I grew a whole bunch. Right after I got my dream bike. So like... So a <laughs> like,
1: nice new bike, and then...
0: Yeah, 8th eighth, eighth grade, I got a 19... And this was like 95. So in 1995, I got a 1994 YZ80. I mean, this was like... It couldn't get any better. And and within like 6 months, it looked like... I don't even know. It's just a clown riding a tiny little bicycle. <laughs> um, <laughs> so and then high school hit uh sold the bike and then kind of team sports took over for a long time so i was a football basketball baseball athlete um played that through through high school all three well ish and then after high school uh kind of tried to play a little football didn't really work out i wasn't terribly inclined to go to class so that didn't help for being uh, eligible to play football and then in 2006, I think it was, I moved from California um, to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And I moved out here for work. I was a carpenter, a uh, finished woodworker. So came out here to do cabinetry. And for the first, I think from like 2006 to 2011, that was kind of my main main job. And so... I was working in a cabinet shop, I think it was around 2008 or so. My coworker, uh, who had just met, you know, and we were like a weekend, and he's like, Hey, do you uh, do you dirt bike? I was like, I used to. I used to love to ride motorcycles. He's like, You should get a dirt bike. I was like, Yep, probably should. So, started looking around some classifieds, went to a local uh, moto dealer. Yeah, picked up a KTM 300. And so, what year? It was a two thousand five three hundred. Uh, got a screaming deal on it, and
1: was well, it like twelve hundred bucks or something? Like I got it for
0: two thousand oh. dollars. <laughs> but, but I mean, this was only two thousand ten. It was yeah, it was great. And so, got that. Started to ride some, not a whole lot. I mean, that's the thing. Like looking back, I'm kind of kicked myself for all the time wasted. I could have been out there getting some more hours in but um you know kind of did some we get like four months of riding time here really it's it's hard with the elevation of the valley we get a whole bunch of snow and so we kind of get from mid-june till just depends when winter starts hitting but maybe You you
1: can push into october sometimes yeah
0: mid to late october maybe early November if you're lucky. So it's not a big window to ride. And so when you, when you can, you really need to pack it in. Let's just say I wasn't packing it in very well. And then the whole um, CrossFit and competing of CrossFit and training, which you know of course we'll get into at some point, uh, was taken over and that really cut into my dirt biking time because of injuries, potential injuries and stuff like that and the need just to be training all the time to try and compete at a level that you need to try and be at to compete with there. And so it wasn't until probably, I think it was 2017, um, that we that kind of really focused on on riding more. And so I'd say from 2017, it's still been a pretty steady progression for us. Every year, we kind of log more hours, trying to arrange our life a little bit more toward getting more time On the bikes, because it's just something we love to do.
1: Why is it that you like riding so much? Tell us about that.
0: That's a hard question. Honestly, it's so many things. Um, I can go ride and not think about anything else except, except exactly what I'm trying to do. And like come out of this, I mean, I I call it essentially a flow state. I don't, there's nothing that I've ever done in my life that I get, I can get into a flow state like I can on a dirt bike. I mean, I'll get them training, honestly, um, uh, mountain biking, uh, like there's something to that works for me on wheels that just like lights that up.
1: Tell us about how CrossFit meshed, like how that whole transition Happened or how it like how they relate
0: Complement each other
1: yeah
0: thank you <laughs> um yeah so for me when i uh training's always been a big part of my life too like i would say it's dirt bikes and then training and i think those two things combined have helped save me somewhat from myself and so in eighth grade i got my first weight set and literally from that time on i've been lifting weights at some point throughout whether and it's always been geared toward performance it's never been about necessarily aesthetics even though that's a can be a good bonus but it's always been about being able to do the things i want to do better um and so having done that from a young age and then trying to seek out people who could help me on that journey has always been a big big part so i mean i remember my junior high school i was a quarterback and my, my, I got my center my wide receiver to come, I say my, but anyways, on the team to come with me three days a week. We drove an hour and a half each way to train with this guy, um, that we knew was a good strength coach. And so it was a three hour round trip. We did it three times a week for like two months through the summer. And that was the first time I'd ever done any Olympic lifting. So he knew a little bit, the snatch and clean and jerk. So that was my first introduction to that. Um, and yeah, it was, it was awesome. Great experience. And it's one of those things too, that back then, it's funny to say back then, but the, the amount of information available just wasn't there. Like you couldn't, I couldn't just jump on a computer and Google it and get just.
1: Training loads. programs. Yeah.
0: Like, I mean the training pro I actually found recently a couple of my programs that I'd written up in types and I was like, is not that bad.
1: From like how old were you?
0: Like early high school. No way. Yeah. And, but it was, you know, that was like gold. I mean, I'd heard these things like five by five mad cow and rip it to a three by five. And I'm like, what's that? And, and so I'd, you know, hound my parents to buy the video cassette or something so I could watch it. And, um, yeah, it was just, it's always been a big part of my life as well. And then through high school, you know, I was a kid, uh, who was like building things to go train. So I had built these plyo boxes that I could go jump on out by my basketball hoop. So I'd go shoot and then jump on boxes and go shoot. And I built this wooden sled that I'd drag up and down and do sprints on the road. And uh, it's just always fascinated me. And I've loved the fact that you can, these things are basically free. Like you can improve yourself constantly. Um, just takes a little bit of discipline maybe or, I don't know, got a goal out there, go get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Um, going back to like uh, just dirt biking, you got into racing recently. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, I've always needed, uh, I think, some type of outlet for me. It just helps me focus on things. So... I think i was a little honestly i was a little lost from like after the football thing didn't work out up until i competed uh until you met me yeah exactly <laughs> uh, <laughs> so like from from me from football not working out up until finding that gym in in jackson wyoming when i moved there uh mountain Athlete, now mountain, mountain tactical institute uh that gave me a competitive or a uh, vice or whatever you want to call it again. And that was huge because I was kind of drifting and I, I didn't really have any direction and I really needed some. And so that really helped me give get some focus. And then from there, once I'd been doing that long enough, CrossFit was kind of getting bigger in 2011. Like, uh, yeah, 10 and every year it was bigger 11 was bigger 12 was bigger and then monumentally bigger yeah it was huge and, and i started to be like well i could do what those guys can do right, can i compete and so then i wanted to compete in crossfit and so i ended up doing that and went to qualify for regionals in 2012 did not qualify in 2013 came back and qualified in 14 and 15 um, with the goal of trying to make it to the crossfit games that never panned out but it was still a, a an amazing experience, and being able to go to the regionals was awesome as well. And then, in tried kind of competitively, I'd say sixteen, seventeen, and and during those two years, though, that's where Dana and I kind of got together, my girlfriend now, um, who I co-own Target Athletics and Enduro Method with as well. And so,
1: 2012. <laughs> we, yeah,
0: we started in 2012, <laughs> but we started riding together. Yeah. In, like, 2014-ish,
1: well, I, mean,
0: ha- I think?
1: I, I bought my bike in 2013. Okay. So, but, I mean, I I think we only rode, like, I remember mean, we rode uh, the four-track. four, by, four track, Yeah,
0: we like were four doing track. a lot of two-track. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think we were actually just roads. I <laughs> yeah. don't even think you can classify them as two-track. Yeah. Like, you can fit a full uh, bus down the road.
0: Yeah, so we were doing a little bit of riding, but not a whole lot, because... I mean, to be able to try to try and compete in CrossFit, you got to train basically as soon as your season ends, you get like two weeks and, and then you're back at it because the level every year was just going massive. And so,
1: well, the last year you competed was when it wasn't it 2017 when they did the masters. Yep. Yeah. So you were an individual in
0: 2015, didn't well, make it 12, 14 and 15 individual. I'm right. But the no teams here. <laughs>
1: but in 2015 you went 16 you were close but i think you messed up your neck well you you heard it dirt biking
0: yeah (laughs) yeah there's your sign yeah i went over the bars pretty good clip and screwed my neck up and then uh got a different coach in 2017 and as we were talking about these things basically I, i got told i couldn't dirt bike and so i think i rode once that whole summer and then, yeah. So 2017. Yeah, coming out of that, I was like, uh, there were a bunch of other factors, but actually, my coach did a really good job of helping me see that I wasn't, my heart wasn't in it anymore, and so I was able to walk away feeling it felt good. I didn't feel any like um, it didn't feel like I was letting myself down or I didn't want to put the work in or any of that. It was just a kind of divergence of goals, and so as soon as that happened, we were like, let's do some races. So I think the first race we both. Uh, she Dana done it. Oh no, it was a Heron it Hound.
1: It was the the uh, pumpkin classic. Yeah, the
0: Sidra uh, pumpkin classic yeah. or whatever it is. And uh, that was an interesting experience. Um, just yeah, it just got ass handed to me. It was great, and I was like, wow, got some work to do. Uh, so then from there we. I think that same year we did Idaho City 100 for the first time. It
1: was, yeah, so we, that was October of 2017. Yep. And then uh, we did Idaho City that following year in 2018.
0: Yep. And then I think that we did the Silver Mountain Extreme as well. Mm-hmm. And then just the comparison from like more your traditional en- enduro time trial setup to the hard enduro. We were both like... The hard enduro is where it's at for us. Like, it, Well,
1: it's just more of what we ride. Yeah,
0: it was just that style, like the the challenge of the terrain and the all that stuff. is definitely more what we enjoy leaning more toward. Um, not to say the other stuff's not amazing and great and should go do it. But, yeah, we've definitely found over the years that we lean a little bit more toward the, the hard enduro.
1: How does that relate to, like, training? Uh,
0: for me, I think hard enduro... And CrossFit are very similar. Uh, I like the comparison because I think in Cro- CrossFit, it's just a grunt. It's a lot of hard work to begin with, right? And, and CrossFit pulls all these specialties into one kind of thing. So you got to be proficient at Olympic weightlifting. I mean, if you're trying to compete at a high level in CrossFit, your, your Olympic weightlifting is almost to where you're qualifying for, like, American Open or Nationals. Right, so pretty high level Olympic lifting, but you're not the best at it. You're yeah, you're okay. You get B platform maybe, and and then gymnastics. Right, again, you're nowhere near as competent as even probably a high level. Well, we'll just say a high school gymnast, but you're also competent enough to be able to do some of the stuff for like the kipping movements and the muscle ups and all and the handstands and handstand walking and stuff. so you're, you're pulling from all these other specialties and kind of you're not the best at any of them, but you're decent enough at all of them to put together this kind of complete crossfitter or rider. So I think of hard enduro as something that pulls from, obviously the best hard enduro riders have a massive background in trials. And I've always thought of gymna- gymnastics and crossfit, like trials and dirt biking. Like if you've got a trials background, man, you're already just a leg up. Um, but on the flip side, if you don't, that's just one more awesome thing to go learn on a dirt bike. So um, yeah, it's just nothing but pluses. And then, you know, if you got a little motor cars in you, you get a in, cornering, all that stuff. Uh, if you got the enduro, you're a little bit faster through the woods. So like all these things just can kind of come and coalesce and be, um, it just make for a, a more whole rider. And then fitness, very important.
1: insert endurance
0: so being being able to get on the bike and express yourself you know and ride and control it's huge so for me i was a better i had way more fitness than i had bike skills Uh, and that really helped in the beginning because i could muscle through things and 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 put in long days on a bike without i mean i was completely whooped and exhausted at the end but I was able to come back and do that repeatedly, over and over. And then, as my, you know, as my bike skills got better and I became a better rider, um, and I could, and I've always had that level of fitness. I think for me, it's just been a dramatic um, help, and of course, also being able to prevent. Not all, obviously, because it's a hard sport and it's dangerous and things don't always go the way you want it, but it definitely helps keep the potential of injury down.
1: Awesome. Yeah, no, I I could not agree more. (laughs) Uh, What is your favorite upgrade that you've done in the past year?
0: That's a hard one. Um, Probably every time I get a new bike, (laughs) <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty good, solid upgrade. Uh, it's hard to say. So being as tall as I am, I'm constantly on the lookout for what other tall riders either have done in the past or what they're doing now. Um, again, I'm 6'4", 220, 225. So I don't find a lot of riders that are as heavy as I am. Usually if they're as tall as I am, they're a lot lighter. Like um, I know Cody Webb's up there in the six three six four range. Keith Curtis is up there. Um, so I'm always... And there's definitely been more out there. Uh, was it Michael Knight? Not Michael Knight. David Knight over in the UK. <laughs> uh, Enduro old... More trials Enduro rider. Um, pretty tall, big guy. He's definitely, I think, closer to me in weight. Um, anyway, so trying to see what they do. And then copy it try it and see where it goes so i remember when i've back in the day i used to put risers on and then over the years i've gotten rid of the risers and then this year actually going to a low bar setup so about an inch lower than stock and then not moving the bars all the way forward in the triple clamps i think i'm kind of in like the number three position currently i did that all right before kingamoto also got rid of my drop pegs, so regular peg height, short bars, moved them in a little bit. And I had really no time on the bike before going and racing. <laughs> Super smart. <laughs> yeah, I like to just kind of throw it in there and give it a try. I mean, what else are you going to do? I don't, we're in Idaho, so I got. Yeah,
1: winter Idaho. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't be able to test it or ride it, so might as well just do it and see what happens. And it worked out great i actually really liked it um took a little bit of getting used to in the beginning but it makes me definitely bring my chest more forward stay in more of attack position i was a little concerned about the downhills having like a center of mass more forward on something super steep at least that's how my head was kind of going but it actually felt really good so and of course the uphills made it way better just because it makes you stay a little bit more forward and keeps you um same center mass a little bit lower so there's less tendency that front end to always want to climb up um that figuring out mooses that's been a long journey um and that's basically i feel like trial and error (laughs) uh going from i almost feel like it's kind of cheating now because we can get the soft mooses here you know through like um the nitro mousse or new tech or whatever whereas even two years ago maybe three i don't know when exactly they came out with that one but we'd had you know you'd have to get the the hard mousse and then you would play around with either shaving it or drilling it and or get the moose, run it for two months pull it out let it sit but then by the time sometimes you come back it sat too long so then it was harder and smaller than it should have been before or i don't know it was it's definitely been a learning curve trying to get all that figured out. And it's definitely not figured out hundred percent, but now with the being able to get the soft moves, basically you could run it out of a box at a hard Enduro race and it's going to be pretty good. I still like to put a little bit of time on them first and then depending on the race, maybe even drill it. Um, but that's become a little bit simpler, but that took a long time to kind of play with, uh, the tires that are available now are incredible. So it seems like it's a lot easier to get really good setups than it probably was, you know, four or five years ago, even. Um, other than that, again, for me, being a bigger rider, um, suspension every time. I don't even really ride the bike first, ship that off, get it resprung, and then whatever else needs to happen, depending on how good the stock setup is. But springs are huge, being as heavy as I am. Shout out
1: to Deja Moto. Hey. You mentioned King of Motos. Uh, you want to just briefly talk about that real fast?
0: Uh, sure. It was good time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. We last, last time we were on the bike this year before the King of the Moto race was October 25th of last year.
1: Of 2020.
0: Of 2020. Uh, then we put the bikes up and basically prep them and then go February beginning of February, and go race, so...
1: We rode one time in Boise.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that wasn't that awesome. It was really cold. And, um, so, yeah, it's kind of coming out there off the couch and go race, and I remember being halfway through the time trial, the first, like, six-mile loop, and just being like, I don't even want to be here. This (laughs) sucks. (laughs) And then after you probably, like, mile four... Kind of started to warm up a little bit, feel a little better, uh, finished the time trial, um, got into the first first heat for the start or first wave. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was like two hours after the finish of the time trial, started the main race. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, the course was definitely, I'd say, easier than last year, but it's king of the moto. So like nothing really flows. You're just getting beat up for um, however long you're out there uh this year it was a 14 mile course and it was two laps to finish for time essentially and um yeah i didn't think there was anything that was i thought last year's course definitely had more technical sections this year there wasn't anything that was super crazy at all um all very rideable it was just a matter of sucking it up and keep pushing because at least for me um It's sometimes easy when you're out there by yourself and you haven't seen anybody for a little while or heard anybody for a little while and you're two plus hours into a race and you kind of go, I can just kind of take it easy a little bit or you know, just a quick shake the hands out and then, I don't know, you add all that stuff up at the end and you're looking at 15, 20 minutes of just wasted time. And it doesn't gain you anything because if you sit there for, I mean, five or 10 seconds as soon as you start going again you're right back where you were so (laughs) it's kind of time wasted you know if you're I feel like it'd be a better bet to just keep keep grinding and keep keep cruising and then stop for 30 seconds and take a bite of food and drink water And, and if you break those rest periods into one maybe a little bit longer one but don't let yourself do a bunch of short ones you're gonna have a better outcome at the end it's that part of it is very relatable to like a typical CrossFit wad or something. Because if you're doing an AMRAP style, right, which would be like as much work as you can do in a certain duration of time, and what you'll find is if you start doing these little rests in between each like movement or breaking your sets up into really small sets and these little breaks five seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds they just add up to the end of so much wasted time and that could be either in transitions or you know rest in between reps that maybe you didn't need to you just thought you did kind of thing so from a mental standpoint that's really relatable to being out there on the course because again you can go harder and you can go a little further maybe not super fast but you can always get a little more so keeping that in mind when you're out there it's gonna it's gonna save a lot of time because once the race is done and you start looking at the scoreboard (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna want to keep as much of that time as possible
1: yeah well thanks for that um so next question where do you feel you are the strongest when it comes to riding or fitness or life or whatever <laughs> we could take this whatever way.
0: Um, strongest on the bike um, I think I think I've had a decent amount of um, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I got more weaknesses and I got strengths for sure. I think I'm pretty good at assessing um, terrain fairly quickly and picking picking good lines. Uh, I think I'm pretty good at not getting over anxious or like super keep it cool yeah like a level head um I push myself but I also try not to do stupid things um (laughs) (laughs) well there's like you know if, if you're if you're at a level let's say you're um you're at a level that you could you could potentially try this a, like kind of sketchy cliff, right?
1: Like the Jersey Barrier.
0: Well, that's a different story. <laughs> but if it's like five to ten percent outside your, let's say your skill level, depending on how exposed it is, maybe that's probably a good a good range to push yourself and and maybe attempt it, right? Now, if that's 20 to 30% outside your skill level, that's not something you should be doing yet. And so there there's levels of um stupidity, I would say, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that are good and bad. So, I feel like I'm pretty good at staying like staying within that level of um like learning, I would, I would call. you know I'd say if I, 5% outside of your comfort zone is a great spot to always be pushing mm-hmm. because you're gonna build confidence. Sometimes you'll make it, sometimes you won't. But when you start pushing into that higher level percentage outside of where you should be, not only is the potential for injury higher, but the, um, when you're constantly failing at things, you're not able to build confidence there either.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Where are you the weakest? What is a weak point for you?
0: Um, I mean oh, like what course right <laughs> uh, I think the thing I'd, put, I'd phrase it this way instead of saying this is where I'm weakest this is where I'd like to grow the most oh, yeah. yeah I'd like to up my trials game for sure and it's a lot of fun I started doing a lot more last year uh, did some local competitions and stuff and it's a blast
1: awesome well this has been fun I really hope everyone gets or has gotten to know you a little bit better one of the the other half of the of the persona behind Enduro Method. Um, anything else you want to la- leave with the listeners?
0: No, I'm uh, looking at s- <laughs> looking forward to uh, continuing to do this yeah. with you, Dane, and um, yeah, putting out some good info and excited to see where this podcast can go.
1: Yeah, we're excited. All right. Well, thanks for listening and thanks for tuning in. However, you close the podcast. This is our first episode and we'll be back uh, with another one shortly. We hope you guys enjoyed and we'll catch you next time.